As our brother Malcolm was saying this morning, we're going to be covering the life of Uzziah, King Uzziah. Proud King Uzziah. Let's read the, uh, the whole chapter in its entirety. Second Chronicles chapter 26, verse 1, and it reads, And all the people of Judah took Uzziah, who was 16 years old, and made him king instead of his father Amaziah. And he, be, and he built Elath and restored it to Judah after the king rested with his fathers. Uzziah was 16 years old when he became king, and he reigned 52 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Jechaliah of Jerusalem. And he did what was right in the sight of the Lord, according to all that his father Amaziah had done. And he sought God in the days of Zechariah, who had understanding in the visions of God. And as long as he sought the Lord, God made him to prosper. Now he went out and made war against the Philistines and broke down the walls of Gath and the walls of, uh, of Jabneh and the walls of Ashdod. And he built cities around Ashdod and among the Philistines. God helped him against the Philistines, against the Arabians who lived in Gerbaal, and against the Meunites. Also, the Ammonites brought tribute to Uzziah, and his fame spread as far as the entrance of Egypt, for he became exceedingly strong. And Uzziah built towers in Jerusalem at the corner gate and, and the valley gate, and at the corner buttress of the wall, then he fortified them. He also built towers in the desert. He dug many wells, for he had much livestock, both in the lowlands and in the plains. He also had farmers and, and vine dressers in the mountains of, and in Carmel, for he loved the soil. Moreover, Uzziah had an army of fighting men who went out by war by companies, according to the number of their role, as prepared by Jael the scribe and Masai the officer, under the hand of Hananiah, one of the king's captain. The total number of chief officers of the mighty men of valor was 2,600. And the number, uh, and, and under their authority, was an army of 307,500 that made war with mighty power to help the king against the enemy. Then Uzziah prepared, prepared for them, uh, for the entire army, shields, spears, helmets, body armor, bows, and slings to cast stones. And he made devices in Jerusalem invented by skillful men to be on the towers and on the corners to shoot arrows and very large stones. So his fame spread far and wide, for he was marvelously helped until he became strong. But when he was strong, his heart was lifted up to his destruction. For he transgressed against the Lord his God by entering the temple of the Lord to burn incense at the altar of incense. And Azariah the, the priest went after him, and with him eighty priests of the Lord, valiant men. And they, and they withstood the king Uzziah, and said to him, It is not for you, Uzziah, to burn incense to the Lord, but it is for the priests, the sons of Aaron, who are consecrated to burn incense. Get out of the sanctuary. For you have trespassed, and you shall have no honor from the Lord God. Then Uzziah became furious, and he had the censer in his hands to burn incense. And, 
And while he was angry with the priest, leprosy broke out on his forehead before the priest in the house of the Lord beside the, in, the, the, beside the incense altar. And Azariah the priest and all the priests that, that looked at him, and there on his forehead, I'm sorry, and there on his forehead he was leprous. So they thrust him out of the place. Indeed, he also hurried to get out because the Lord had struck him. King Uzziah was a leopard until the day of his death, and he dwelt in an isolated house because he was a leper, for he was cut off from the house of the Lord. Then Jotham, his son, was over the king's house, judging the people of the land. Now the rest of the acts of Uzziah, from the first to the last, the prophet Isaiah, the son of Amos, wrote, So Uzziah rested with his fathers. And they buried him with his fathers in the field of burial, which belongs to the king, for they said, He is a leper. Then Jotham, his son, reigned in his place. May the Lord bless the reading of his word this morning as we consider this great king with a tragic end. And so before we delve into Uzziah a little bit here, I want to step back a little bit and I want to talk about his father, Amaziah. Uh, last week, a brother Andrew uh, very, very, very uh, eloquently expounded upon Joash and the good that Joash did and then his shortcomings in the end. And he mentioned that his son, Amaziah, took over. And Amaziah became king. And, and, and he, like Joash, had a good beginning. He listened to the man of God. It says that Amaziah made war against Edom to the southwest. And, and, and he sought to build his army, and he went, and he mustered all the men, and he did a census, encountered all the men, and he said to himself, I don't think I have enough. And so he hired mercenaries. He hired 100,000 mercenaries from the tribe of Ephraim to the north, their cousins. And a man of God approached him and said, Listen, it's not these men that are going to give you the victory. It's not your men that are going to give you the victory. It's the Lord. Send these men away. And Amaziah listened to the word of the Lord. And even though he had paid these mercenaries, he sent them away. And he and the army that he had and the Lord, they wrought a great victory. And he fought the enemies of God and he was victorious over them. And he did right in the sight of the Lord. But it was said about Amaziah different than King Uzziah. Is that he did right in the sight of the Lord. But his heart was not loyal. Is what it said about Amaziah. What do we mean? Well, we read that poor Amaziah, he had a great great victory. He was, he was on a spiritual high as it were. And he came home victorious. Having, having had this great victory of war. And, and all the spoils that he got from this victory, he brought home the idols. The idols of his enemy. And, and, and to, to my amazement, and I hope your amazement, he took these idols and he began to worship them. Now the Lord in his grace, the Lord in his mercy, Sends him another man. Just like the Lord sent him word to, listen, trust and rely on me and I will give you the victory. Here in his fall, the Lord sends him a man, a man of God, unnamed. 
And he says, how could you do this, Amaziah? Their gods could not save them from you. And you bow to them? You bow to the gods that could not save their people. And Amaziah in his pride told this man of God, cease, hush, or you will die. Very similar to Joash, right? Now Amaziah didn't kill this man of God. But this man of God said, because you have done this, because you have not heeded the word of God, the Lord has set you for destruction. And the pride of Amaziah overtook him. He then began to pick a war with Israel, his family to the north, and actually went to war against them. And the Lord judged them for it. Judah lost that battle. They lost thousands of men. Israel came through and took him captive, went down to Jerusalem and broke down the walls of Jerusalem. And then they released Amaziah. And Amaziah left, lived the rest of his life in his shame. And, and, and the pride and, and the ego he had was no more. So much so that his own people, his own subjects conspired against him and they killed him. They killed Amaziah. And it is here where we pick up the story. And I give you that background because there's a lesson in there. The pattern of these men. And, and, and I'll say this and I'll leave it for you to contemplate. But the sins of the father, how they're repeated in the sins of the son. Oh, that would be conscience of such a thing. That me as a father and my actions whether good or bad, can very easily be repeated in my own children and in their children and in their children. Do we leave our children an inheritance of righteousness, of faith, of hope? Or do we leave them an inheritance of shame and sin? Do we leave pitfalls for them to fall into? So here we have Uzziah. His father had passed away. The, the Jerusalem was in shambles. The wall, part of the wall, they say up to 200 yards of the wall had been broken down. Jerusalem was exposed to its enemies. And here's Uzziah, 16 years old. 16 years old, inheriting his father's mess. And, and, and the verbiage there actually even says that they made him king while his own father was still alive. His father runs away as he, when he finds out that they're conspiring against them. And runs to Lachish. And so they put Uzziah as king. But eventually they catch up to him and they, 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 they murder him. And Uzziah at 16 picks up this mess. And, and, and the writer here gives us a bit of a, a brief introduction to Uzziah. And gives us a couple of factoids to help us get a grasp a grasp of Uzziah and what his reign was like. It says of Uzziah that he was 16 years old. He reigned for 52 years, the second longest reign in Jerusalem. Now listen, verse 2 is kind of an ominous verse. It says, He built, he built Elath and restored it to Judah, 
after the kings rested with his father. Now, Elath was all the way to the south. Elath was actually a port city in the Red Sea. And what, it, what the writer's trying to imply here, not imply, but to, to inform you, inform the reader, is that through Uzziah, there was an expanding of the borders of the, of the kingdom of Judah. And the last time Judah had a port city down south in the Red Sea was during the time of who? King Solomon. King Solomon. And so we see that right off the bat, Uzziah was a successful king. He was able to widen his border and prosper his people. He reigned for 52 years. Now, verse 4, it says, He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, according to all that his father Amaziah had done. And how do we quantify that? Well, I, I propose to you that he did what was right according to, in the eyes of the Lord, according to what his father did that was right. His father listened to the man of God, listened to the word of God, had faith in the Lord when he went into battle. And the Lord used him to bring great victory. Unfortunately, that didn't last beyond that. We'll read that Amaziah did do that. Amaziah did lean on the Lord. In fact, he says, it says on here that, that he sought God in the times of Zechariah. Now, this Zechariah is not the Zechariah of the, of, the, of, of the minor prophets. It's another Zechariah. But it says of Zechariah here that he was one who had understanding in the visions of God. Now, that word vision there. I don't know if it's in your Bible, but I have a footnote for that word vision. Mine says here, in some of the other Old Testament texts, that word vision is substituted for fear. And I like that. I, I think that fits this passage better. It, because this man, Zechariah, who understood in the fear of God. And we'll see how important the fear of God is. And it says that as long as he sought the Lord... As long as Uzziah sought the Lord, God made him to prosper. So in that sense, Uzziah did what was right in the eyes of the Lord according to his father. He sought the Lord and the Lord prospered. Basic principle. You seek the Lord and he will prosper you. Now verses 6 through 15, we have the exploits. We have the, the, the wonderful successes of Uzziah as a king. And, and, and if we look at them, we marvel at it. He, he actually, believe it or not, brought, brought a bit of a renaissance to the, to the land. He brought a renaissance to the, the kingdom of Judah. I, I remember when I was preaching about Solomon. Solomon was the, the very peak of the kingdom of Israel. Its borders had never been greater. Its influence had never been greater. And it was all a downturn until King Uzziah. And King Uzziah, there was a resurgence. He sought the Lord and the Lord prospered him. The borders were expanded. And his exploits were great. The first thing that, that is mentioned here is that he made war against the Philistines. He made war against the Philistines there to the east of them. There who, those coastal people who always encroached upon Judah, who always persecuted Judah. He made war against the enemies of God. 
And what does it say? He broke down the walls. What previous kings could not do, he was able to do. He broke down the walls of Gath and of Jabneth and of Ashdod. Now, Ashdod's important. Ashdod was a port city there on the Mediterranean Sea. And it was a major trade post. And here you see the influence and the, and, and the work and the labor of Uzziah as he widened the borders. And now they have this port city in the Mediterranean Sea, which they didn't have before. And it says that the Lord prospered him, and he would build cities around Ashdod. Now he's building cities in enemy territory. And the Lord was with him. What, is, what does verse 7 say? And God helped him against the Philistines. Now listen. He helped him against the, the Arabians who lived in Gerbaal and against the Mennonites. Now listen. You begin to read the exploits of Uzziah and you think, what a great leader. What a great leader. He, he understands what his people need. He understands where the battles should be fought. It says that the Lord helped him. He fought against the Philistines to the east. It says that the Lord gave him victory over the Arabians to the southwest and of the Mennonites to the southeast. So all around the kingdom, the Lord had given him victories. The Lord had given him a sense of peace. It goes on further than that. And he says, also the Ammonites brought tribute to Uzziah. The Ammonites were to the west. So all around the kingdom of Judah, the Lord was prospering Uzziah. And I'm trying to paint the picture for you. He was a great leader. And, and it went beyond just being a great leader. His fame, who he was, what he had done, started going out. And word started spreading out. All the way down to Egypt. All the way out down to Egypt. Uzziah had a great name. He was a great leader. Great captain of the armies of Israel. Of Judah, I'm sorry. He, was, uh, he had a great name, right? Next, we look at what he did in Jerusalem. Uzziah built towers in Jerusalem at the corner in the valley gate. And at the corner buttress of the wall, then he fortified them. His father, his father's shame, his father's shortcoming. Because of his pride, there the wall stood in pieces. And he set about fixing it. And not just fixing it, but improving it. He built towers in the corners of the wall. And, and, and he fortified them. And what was unsecure is now secure. He was a great architect, wasn't he? He was a great leader. He had a great name. He's a great architect. He also built many towers in the desert. He dug many wells. Why? Because he had many livestock. He had many farms. It says that he loved the soil. A king with a great administration understood what his people needed. And he fed his people. And he did what was needed to provide for his people. And he had much livestock, much farms. He had farmers and vine dressers. And he loved the soil. He was a great, great farmer and provider. Then we read about the exploits of his army. Now, I, I tell you this. The, the interesting thing about here is that he was a great administrator. For he gathered all the army 
And he gathered captains. And each captain was in charge of a group of the army. And they each had a role. They each had a regiment. And they were organized. You know, in the past, in the past, uh, when Israel as a whole had trouble to try to get them all to muster up and to get ready for war, it was difficult. Because this tribe was over here, this tribe was over here, this family was over here. And how do we get organized to call for army? And so you would have things like the all tribal council, where all the elders from all the tribes would get together and say, okay, are we going to war against so-and-so? Yes? No? And it was always disheveled. Here, Uzziah unified his country, unified Judah, set the army, set order to it, each one by his regiment. It wasn't that men were, were, were soldiers the entire time. It was when the regiment was called, they went out to war. And when their turn was over, they went back home. He was a great administrator. And not only that, but he equipped them. He equipped them. You know, before, I, I think of the times of David, where a sword was a precious thing. The Philistines had all the blacksmiths, and you could not have a sword in the land of, of Israel. To have a sword was a great thing. Whenever they needed to, to sharpen a, a, a sickle or, or sharpen a, a hoe, they had to go to the Philistines. They didn't have the wherewithal to arm themselves. And here is Uzziah. He arms, he, he prepares and equips his army with helmets and armor and swords and spears and bows and slings. So that when the army is called, they're ready. And it says that this army of 307,500 fought with great mighty power. And the Lord used them. And the Lord gave him victories by expanding his boundaries, by, by, by making him prosperous. He was a great leader. He was a great, he had a great name. He was a great architect. He was a great provider. He was a great administrator. And it goes beyond that. He then hires skillful men to build these engines of war. And he built catapults on the corners of the wall on the towers. That would, that, would, that would sling heavy stones out at the enemy. He was a great engineer too. Now I'm belaboring all this point to, to, to drive to a, a specific point. Because as much as Uzziah did for his people, as much as Uzziah did for the kingdom of Judah, the Lord was the one giving him the victory. The Lord was the one making him great. And that, unfortunately, was his fall. For it says in verse 15 at the end, And so his fame spread far and wide, for he was marvelously helped until he became strong. His whole life hinges upon verses 15 and 16. His entire life hinges upon the fact that he began to look in the mirror a little too long. To believe that he, in his own might, in the strength of his own two legs, in the might of his arm, and in the intellect of his head, was the cause, was the root, was the source of the victory. 
I don't know if it happened quickly. I don't know if it took a while. I don't know if it, it kind of creeped in and he never noticed it. But pride creeped in. Now, we began this morning by talking about his father, Amaziah. He was struck with pride too, wasn't he? And here is his son, greater than he was. Uzziah was far greater than Amaziah. But pride crept in. Pride crept in. It says in verse 16, But when he was strong in his heart, he lifted up. He was lifted up to his destruction. And so I, I want to pause there and talk about pride a little bit. I, I want you to, to meditate with me about pride because this, this man did a lot of great things. Now, 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 let me say this. It's not that Uzziah had no part in it. Uzziah was obedient to the Lord. Uzziah leaned on the Lord. And Uzziah was but a channel for the Lord. And there is credit in that, okay? But nobody looks at a great painting and says, Oh, how marvelous the paintbrush that, that, that painted this thing. They attribute the glory to the author, to the artist, don't they? But if that paintbrush is in bad shape, that paintbrush has no bristles, can that, can that artist ever paint that? No. The, the, the vessel has to be willing and prepared and ready. So there is something to it. I don't want to take away from, from, from the greatness of King Uzziah. There's a lot we can learn from the faithfulness and the obedience of King Uzziah. But pride crept in. Pride that ancient of sins. Let me read these verses to you. And I want you to think about who these words are written about. It says of this one, For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation on the farthest side of the north. I will send above the heights of the cloud and I will be like the most high God. You know who said that? Satan himself. One whom the living God, the creator of all things, created him to be one of the most powerful, most beautiful, angelic beings. And he began to look within himself. And he became proud. The sin of pride. And he sought to what? To usurp the throne of God. He sought to, to take the glory of God. He himself expressed the glory of God. And instead of attributing the, the glory that he had to the Lord, he began to attribute it to himself. Now I tell you this. We're not much different. For there in Adam and Eve, there in Adam and Eve, there the, 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 the cunning serpent would go up to Eve and would tempt her. And he would say, for God knows that in the day that you eat of it, your eyes will be opened. And you will be like God, knowing good 
and evil. Oh, what struck a chord in the heart of Eve? Oh, I will be like God, knowing good and evil. It wasn't enough that God placed them in this perfect paradise who provided for them sustenance and and all kinds of food and purpose, giving them work and labor and his presence. That wasn't enough. That she would be, I can be more than I am now. And pride creeps in. And, And she sought a little bit of the glory for herself. She wanted a little bit for herself. And she ate. And so did Adam. And through that one man's sin, sin entered into the world. And through sin, death. Pride. I I spent a lot of time meditating about pride. And I struggled with it. Because ultimately, all pride is, is desiring or taking credit for what is not yours. Taking credit for what someone else did. And that someone else is God. And that someone else is God. This morning, my heart was burdened with the glory of God. With His glory. For all these, all this is, is, all pride is, is taking a little bit of the glory of God and attributing it to yourself. That's all pride is. That's all King Uzziah did. He had, he saw with his eyes all the things that the Lord did. And he began to believe that he, he had a big part in it. He began to believe that it couldn't be done without him. And pride creeps in. You know, our our brother Pete alluded to this passage this morning. In Isaiah chapter 42. In Isaiah chapter 42, you have this great passage. And the Lord declares to, to the world, He says, Thus saith the Lord, who created the heavens and stretches them out, Now listen, pay attention. He's declaring who He is. He created the heavens and He stretches them out. Who spreads forth the earth, that which comes forth from it. He created the life that's in it. Who gives breath to the people on it. And the Spirit to those who walk in it. He says, I, I am the Lord. Now, let's put that in perspective. Who are you in the sight of the Lord? Who are you when you look up to the heavens and see the expanse of the heavens and see the starry host and the great vast distances among them? How the Lord reveals His glory through them. Who are you when you look at nature itself, when you look at at, at what creation is? Who are you when you behold its glory? Who are you when you look upon the way you are knit together? The way God intimately put you together in your mother's womb? How God specifically made you the way He designed? 
Who are you? Can we take credit to any of it? Can we lay hold to any of it? The very breath that you take is given. Nothing is done out of our own strength. Now the Lord is not all. He does include you in it though. He does kindly include you in it. It continues in that 42, in chapter 42 he says, listen, I the Lord have called you in righteousness to hold your hand, to keep you, and to give you as a covenant to the people, a light to the Gentiles. Listen, the marvelous thing about the Scriptures, the marvelous thing about our God, is that as, as great and glorious as our God is, He wants to include you in His plans. You know, a, a marvelous thought that I was talking to my mother about this week, You know, when Adam and Eve sinned, and they fell, did they cry out to the Lord? Did they seek the Lord and say, oh no, what we have done? No, no, no. In their strength, they sought to fix it. But who sought them out? Who was the first to try to make men's? It was the Lord. It was the Lord who sought them, not the other way around. The Lord includes you in His plans. He holds you up. He holds your hand. He supports us. And the verses I wanted to get to. It says, To open the blind, to bring prisoners out of prison, and those who sit in darkness from the house of prison. It says, I am the Lord. Now listen. This is the important part. I am the Lord. That is my name. Don't take it lightly. Don't take it lightly. He is the Lord. And my glory I will give. I will not give to another. Nor my praise to a graven image. Remember that. Remember that. He is the Lord. Listen, all that you are and all that I am and anything good that comes from us. It is by the grace and power of our God. Do not forget that. When we begin to look at ourselves and to begin to believe what our flesh says about ourselves, we begin down that path of destruction. We begin to fall into that very, very, very ancient sin of pride. And here, just like Uzziah would begin to, to believe his own laurels and pride welled in. And when pride is there, the Lord cannot and will not work. Let's be clear on that. The Lord cannot and will not work. For the glory belongs to Him. So Uzziah transgressed against the Lord. I'm taking too much time. The sin of pride. Uzziah transgressed against the Lord. What did he want to do? Well, he was a great leader. He was a great administrator. He was a great architect, engineer. He, he was a great king. Well, what, what else can he add to his mighty fine resume? Well, maybe he can cut the middleman out. He said, I know. Instead of me going down to the temple 
and, and, and giving an offering to the priest, and the priest offers it to the offering, and the priest then has the privilege and the honor of stepping inside the holy place. And they are burnt incense in worship to the living God. You know what? I'm good enough. I think I'll take a shot at it. And in his pride, he went down there. You know, I, I, I sit there and I try to imagine this in my mind. For he was, he was a good king. He followed and he sought the Lord. He, 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 he surrounded himself with people who feared God. I imagine he spent many times at that temple and he saw what went on in the temple. And he would see the priest laboring there at that great altar. And he would see a priest take a hot coal out of that altar and put it on a censer. And they would walk inside the holy place. And he would take that hot coal and he would put it on the altar of incense. And there upon the altar of incense, he would lay the incense and smoke would fill the place. And the incense would fill the room and he would even, would even creep outside the door. The sense that the living God was the glory of God was within that veil. And here he is thinking, I can do that. I can approach the God in my way. I can approach God the way I see fit. And he walked down there, grabbed the censer, and I imagine he even grabbed the hot coal from the, from the brazen altar. Waves to the high priest and goes through the door. And as he's approaching that small golden altar of incense, Azariah the high priest withstands him, stands between him and the altar. And 80 priests, valiant men, it says, withstood him. They stood between him and the living God. And in his pride, he wanted, just, he wanted to, to burn incense to the Lord because he felt the right to. And he had, to, he had to be corrupted. Azariah said, listen, it's not for you to do. It's not for you, King Uzziah, to burn incense unto the Lord. It is for the, the, the sons of Aaron. For they have been consecrated. Consecrated. The word there can be translated holy. They have been set apart for that purpose it's not for you to do. Uzziah in his anger, before he can open his mouth, before he can utter a word, the Lord struck him. The Lord struck him and leprosy spread on his forehead. It says that the, the priests saw this and they threw him out. They ushered him out. And when he realized what had happened, he fled. He fled. And he spent the rest of his life outside. Isolated. A leper. A leper. You know, I, well, what a sad story that is. A man who did so much for Jerusalem... 
who fortified its walls, who equipped its army, who, who set it up for victory, found himself outside that wall, no longer under the protection of those walls. Leper, outcast. Why? Well, because he thought he can approach God in any way. He thought he could approach the holy God whatever way he wanted. You know, I, I think of these... You know, this is not the first time somebody's tried this before. And, and, and we can go on and talk about it, but, but one of them was, was Koath. You see... The family of Koath, and he had a great group that followed him. And Koath went up to Moses and Aaron and said, Hey, listen, you guys take too much for yourselves. Aaron's in there serving, serving in the temple, and his sons are serving in the temple. And listen, we're holy like they're holy. Why can't I do it? I want to do it. And Moses says, Listen, tomorrow, gather yourself. Go before the door of the, of the tabernacle and have your censers in your hand. And we'll see who the Lord picks. And it says that 250, 250 men gathered around the door of the tabernacle. Not, not inside the, the tabernacle, outside the tabernacle. It says that the smoke filled the place and the Lord's glory. And he told Moses and Aaron, move out of the way because I'm going to kill them all. You cannot approach God whatever way you want. That's what this world wants you to think. That, ah, you know, there's many ways to heaven. There's many ways to the kingdom of God. There's many ways to reach God. I'm a spiritual person. Broad is the way that leads to destruction. Many will stand before God in that day, Matthew would say, and say, Lord, Lord, did I not, did I not do this and do that and did many wonderful things? And the Lord will say to them, I never knew you. Friend, I tell you this morning, if you do not know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, if you think you're going to get there because you're a good person, because you have pride in your heart, you say, I'm, I'm better than my neighbor. I'm better than my brother. I'm better than my cousins. Friend, I tell you, you cannot stand before a holy God. You cannot stand before a holy God. And Uzziah, all the Lord did was give him a physical representation of who he is. A sinner. For in the scriptures, le leprosy is a picture of sin. And he lived the rest of his life being reminded. He took the chip right off his shoulder, didn't he? That he was a leper. Now, before I close, I, I do want to emphasize one more point. And it's the holiness of God. For after Uzziah's death, we, we, we turn to the book of Isaiah in chapter 6. We have this, this magnificent scene. 
after Uzziah dies, there the prophet Isaiah is, is given this vision. And he glimpses into heaven. And there he sees the Lord in all his glory. It says that his robe filled the temple and that the incense filled the entire place. And when Isaiah realized what he was seeing, what did he say? Woe is me. Woe is me, for I am undone. I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell with a people of unclean lips. Saints, I tell you here this morning, the importance of recognizing that our God is holy. Our God who dwells in unapproachable light. Yes, He is our personal Savior. Yes, He is our friend. But never forget that He is thrice holy. He stands far apart of all that we could think of. He is all holy. When Isaiah saw, all he could do was think about himself and think about his sin. How how could he say? He would say, I have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. I am undone. I am falling apart. I am as good as dead because I have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Saints, we see that all throughout Scripture. Not just in the Old Testament. The importance of the holiness of God. You know, I, I think of that scene there when all the disciples and the Lord were on that boat in the Sea of Galilee. And the Lord was sleeping. It says he, in Mark, he actually he had a pillow, which I think is interesting. The Lord was sleeping in a pillow, and a storm comes in. And the sea churned, and the waves tossed the boat to and fro. And, and, and this group of, of fishermen, ruddy sailors, began to be scared. And it got worse, and it got worse, and it says that they became scared to the point that they woke up the Lord and said, Lord, Lord, do you not care that we're perishing? The water's getting in the boat. The Lord stands up and says, shh. And the wind stop. And the waves don't even ripple down. They just flatten down. And an instant there's a calm. And it says of the disciples, it says, now they were exceedingly afraid. Why? Well, it's one thing to have a storm outside your boat. It's another to have the creator of all things in your boat. The holiness of God should grip your heart, should grip the heart of the believer. We serve a holy and awesome God. I think of that poor woman who had an issue of blood. How she said, all I would have to do is just just touch the hem of his garment. I, I don't want to bother him. I'm but a small person with a feeble problem. If I just touch him, touch just a little bit of his garment. And she snuck in the crowd and got close enough to touch it. And immediately, the foe stopped. And she knew she was healed. But the Lord said, who touched me? Who touched me? And after the the crowd didn't know what to do, she realized she had to say something. But she did it with fear and trembling because the holy God was before her. 
the holiness of God is no laughing matter, saints. And I tell you this, you and I are, to, are called to be holy. And I belabor this point because, listen, we live in a world that is anything but holy. We live in a church today that plays the harlot with the world. We drink of this world. We, we consume so much of it. Sometimes the world can look at the church and the, the people that go to church, and there is no difference. There is no setting apart. There is no difference between the world and the church today. How can God use you and I today if we are not set apart? If we do not walk as He would have us to walk? The Lord said over and over in the book of the Be ye holy because I am holy. Are you and I walking holy lives, separated lives from this world? Because if we don't, there is going to be no blessing. There's going to be no blessing. And I leave you with that. The holiness of God and your responsibility as a believer to be holy as He is holy. Let's pray. Our Heavenly God and Father, Lord, we thank You for this story. We thank You the example that we have of this great man used mightily of You, Lord. Yet in the end of his life, he began to fill himself with his own thoughts and filled his heart with pride. Lord, and you had to humble him. Lord, let us not forget who is the source of all things. Who made us? Who gives us breath? Who redeems us? Who gives us the Holy Spirit? Who is the author of all things, Lord? Let the glory in our hearts and lives always be to you. Lord, help us to walk in manner worthy of who you are, Lord. Holy, separate, apart from this world, Lord. Help us as a congregation. Help us as individuals, Lord. Let us, let us take serious what you take serious. Let us shun evil, Lord. Let us be serious about our sin, Lord. And let us walk this earth set apart for you. Our Heavenly God and Father, we thank you. And we ask all these things in your son's precious name. Amen. Amen.